9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Go Quarantine Yourself, the quarantine edition of the Montreal podcast. Go plug yourself. Uh, For this episode, it was just Lawrence Korber and myself uh, just talking a little bit about what it means to be friends and uh, how friendship can turn into Dungeons and Dragons. And then we talk a bunch about Dungeons and Dragons. As we continue to get to know uh, the co-hosts of Go Plug Yourself a little bit better, this is the Lawrence Korber and Keith nerd out and talk about Dungeons and Dragons edition. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, tell your friends about it, spread the word, uh, vote for it on Cult Montreal's Best Podcast of Montreal. Uh, and we, I talk about this a little bit in the middle of the show. We saw a really big spike of downloads uh, in the last couple weeks so thank you for whoever you are listening to go quarantine yourself during these times of isolation uh, thank you so much and I guess keep spreading the word enjoy the show I love you go plug yourself you plug another plugger go plug yourself you plug another plugger go plug yourself you plug another plugger I'll turn off my camera. So we're back with a brand new episode of Go Quarantine Yourself, uh, the podcast where we usually have guests. And now instead of having guests, we just get to know the hosts better. I feel like that's, <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, and once again, we've had like a like Chris Vendito's uh, internet woes continue. <laughs> his PC died last time and apparently was like not recoverable. So and now apparently his internet in his house is down. And I can't imagine a more enjoyable quarantine situation than a house full of Italians with no internet. I mean, I feel like it's convenient that when we try and podcast with him, his internet does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a point where I'm going to start taking it personally, you know, oh. all my computer, all this and that, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you used to be able to get out of plans, be like, Oh, I'm busy. Oh, it's a, now in quarantine, we have to come up with more creative lies to avoid people. Yeah, exactly. So I, That's it. This is, you know, has everybody been practicing their, uh, their internet breaking up voice? So that, when oh, there, there must be. I can't, there must be. Here. Yeah, oh, I can't, so, uh, my computer's oh, overheating. I have a sore throat. throat. <laughs> yeah, just like whatever, you know what I mean? All the things yeah, exactly. you've heard so well. It's so much harder to flake. On, well, not harder, but it's just like there's only like three reasons to fake flake out on yeah. plans now, which is like I, you don't I, have internet. I are, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've already booked on something else. Yep. And then my, people could see what you're booked on because it's on the internet, right? So they would have yeah, to exactly. see you go live. Like, what else are you doing? Yeah, exactly. And you have to be like, oh, I'm doing a writing meetup with uh, the Actors Guild. I'm so sorry. Yeah, exactly. And Ines, um, her throat woes uh, persist. But that I buy because on social media, she was like, I'm literally not smoking on 420. My throat is in pain. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Or <laughs> like, that's your, or it's all part of or the she, Exactly. She knows that we watch her stories and we're going to jump on her. So she's like, I better throw a red herring here. See she, people, got, yeah. she got tired of doing all the Instagram live stuff and everything else that like if people are doing yeah. it. She's like, I'm just going to, I'm calling it all quits. I'm going to get laryngitis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just, so and just get rid of it. I, I mm. think this is the perfect way to start the, the podcast is by taking shots at the legitimacy of our other hosts. <laughs> I think that's, that's definitely... Right. We should attack I mean, their character for I sure. I mean, w- while we're at it, I mean, Lawrence, you seem to work some real weird hours, real suspiciously you know? yeah. strange hours. Yeah, who works until 10? What kind of assholes do that, right? It's not a real thing. Yeah, no one does that. So. Uh, how you been, Lawrence? That's uh, other, than, uh, have, other than working weird hours. I've been uh, very good, thank you. <laughs> the weird <laughs> hours continue, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, everything else is uh, A-OK, actually. Thankfully, everyone is good and healthy. How are mm-hmm. you? Good. Doing, doing real well. Real well. I, I, was, I was thinking about your, your weird hour situation, though. I mean, it's, like, obviously not ideal, <laughs> but it's better than having to go into the office, maybe. I don't know. Like, Yeah. You know, like, you can still, like, as soon as you're done work, you're at home. You know, like, there's no, like, commute yes. or whatever. Like, I, I, yeah. Like, when I used and to work call centers. Okay, go ahead. I'm I'm saving a bunch of money on just like gas and yeah, having to oh, travel yeah. and stuff like that. So, and the weird hours are mostly because when you work in customer service, the, the, everyone's home now. So the hours they contact you is different. So you have to work the hours 
to mitigate that change, right? So it's like yeah. everything is all over the place, right? Where you had the stability before, you're like, oh yeah, 10 to six, everything's great. One mm -hmm. late night a week, and now it's like, we need you here, we need you there, seven in the morning, 10 at night, and you're like, oh, fuck me. And it's also the, like, you you work for, like, the connectivity business, so it's like the yeah. people's lifelines to the world, which is they, they're much more passionate about it. Like, if, like yeah. I remember when, when we moved into this place, three, four years ago, we had all kinds of uh, problems just getting the internet hooked up because the bell, um, like the bell demarcation point, like the pole is actually on the other side of the fence. So it's on like rail territory, like rail property. So like okay. bell needs to, bell needed to coordinate literally access with CN to even get to their own pole. So every time they tried to do work, it took like an extra long time of scheduling. And it's like, we went almost like a month without internet, which sucked. But it's yeah. like, yeah, we just like we watched our DVD collection. If we wanted to watch a hockey game, we go to a bar down the street, whatever. But I was like, do you like, still have hey, a bunch of DVDs? Uh, yeah, we have. I have. I when before instead of getting rid of all of my DVDs, I, I just shoved them. I did the binder thing. Like I just okay. like I taught. I recycled all the cases and just shoved everything in the binders. And I was like, okay. I could take you're smarter than me, and because my, my girlfriend is already a hoarder, and I bought. i I'm always been a big comic book video game nerd so mm -hmm. i bought all of like the dc and marvel animated series on dvd yeah so i just have like a bookcase full of dvds and i haven't put them in a sleeve i just still have the physical boxes and everything and they're yeah. just taking up space and everything's yeah. available online now so i don't really need to watch them physically a couple yeah. nights ago we saw netflix planet hulk which came out like 10 years ago and my girlfriend's like, oh, I've never seen it. I'm like, I've seen it. And then we were playing it, and halfway through, I realized I have the physical copy. <laughs> I could have watched this at any time, unprompted. But I needed Netflix to remind me, like, hey, asshole, watch this. And I'm just so yeah. programmed to get it. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. I did, yeah, I did that with all my, all my old PlayStation 1 games, Dreamcast games, all that. All the stuff where I'm like, eh, I don't want to necessarily get rid of them, but just, like, drop them into binders and throw them in the closet. They take up a relatively small section of space that was that was the um do you not throw things out rarely i like why, I, why? I, I don't why? know I, ah, why? I'm, I'm a bit i'm a bit of a hoarder i think okay it's like it not not okay so it's funny like there's um this is very this is slightly visual so i apologize to the podcast listeners but right now i'm going to turn my camera and i'm going to show them just like the the crap that's on my bookshelf and describe okay. it briefly for the listeners there's just like Funko Pops and like a Princess Leia, like a Steel Wolverine, and like some Blu-rays and stuff. And there's, there's just like this is all the crap that's on my bookshelf that's next to my computer. And Sarah hates that bookshelf. It's in my office. It's not in the rest of the house. Right. And she's she's always like, you never do that stuff. And now that I'm working from the home office, and when I look over there, it makes me happy all the time. Like every little knickknack sure. and doodad that's hanging around so i was yeah. like take that marie kondo like does it bring you joy i'm like yes all the time but, that, but i think that's the point like if you have this stuff it has to be like poignant to you or things you enjoy right it's like if you have a bunch of things that you no longer want or don't bring you joy that's when you get rid of them right yeah and like yeah exactly that's it i can re i remember like either it's something that i think is cool or i have like a memory associated with almost like everything that's, that's sitting that's it so, so that Sarah disagrees have, with it. <laughs> of course, because she doesn't have the same connection, right? Mm -hmm. So I put on my camera here. This is the room. This is the office of the apartment. You can see my mm -hmm. camera, right? Yeah. So yeah, we have uh, one bookshelf over here mm -hmm. that's just absolutely filled. You can't even get into the corner here. And then we have a wall of Simpsons. I've seen that. I've seen that on yeah. uh, social media. <laughs> yeah, a, a wall full of Simpsons memorabilia, Star Wars memorabilia. And it's just like, it takes up, I think, like 90% of the room conservatively. <laughs> And, and the room she painted it yellow like it's very like deliberate and like this is what i like and care about this right? is the simpsons room <laughs> yeah so it's it's kind of i don't even work in this room i work in the kitchen just because she's like <laughs> playing diablo or working like having both of us working from home is in the apartment is just, like tight like it's just like yeah. there's yeah yeah so well, I mean, I, well, you, yeah you've been well you've been to our place where it's just like the yeah. there's the basic, the whole house is mostly like it's the kitchen, the living room, the dining room is shared. Then there's like a small office and a bedroom and that's it. So it's like we have Sarah, Sarah works from the kitchen table and I work from the office about as far physically apart as we can. Uh, right. Just which, is, which, is still, which is still like nine feet. 
Yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> so if one of us is speaking loudly on the phone, the other one can hear it. Kind of. Thing. Yeah, like, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's we still tried to maximize the space, but yeah, Sarah's very like a minimalist in terms of like she's like, why would you keep this stuff? Why you you don't look at it? But I'm like, I just enjoy having it. Like I got rid of even like when we moved from the apartment to the condo, we got rid of about a bookshelf worth of stuff, either consolidating it down like the DVDs or donating books and all that stuff. And she was like, right. why do you have some school books? And I was like. There's, I, wanna, I paid eight hundred dollars for this. <laughs> sure, no, but I, I did. I got rid of a lot of them. But I was like, yeah. but there was like certain ones that I was like, I like this topic enough. She's like, I've never seen you pick it up. And I'm like, but I just enjoy having it. Like it's a weird. I have a sentimental attachment, and I think, I think it just comes sociology two oh four. Yeah, I think it comes from my mom though. <laughs> like, okay. Because yeah, my mom was a my mom was a big collector. Like she. Not not of um, like pop culture memorabilia or anything, but yeah, like she collected um, cat ornaments. Okay. Like, um, there was a a, a glass like a mirrored table in our house that was like the size of like a small like say like a two person dinner table, but it was like okay. a mirrored kind of like table thing that the entire surface was covered in cat knickknacks, like about a hundred of them. My mom Which, has like my mom has that with like Swarovski crystals. Hmm. Some of them are cat. Yeah, yeah, but that that that's so cat. That's just one thing. She also had a collection of I would guesstimate close to a hundred painted plates that were up on the walls. Oh like, no! And they, are, are, she didn't let you use them to eat off of. Oh, absolutely not, dude. They're like hand painted oh. plates and stuff. These oh are, god! Yeah, they're not like like they, <laughs> they're so big and they take up so much room and they all have to be <laughs> displayed. So you can't stack them. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and they weren't and they weren't all displayed. It's like she had there. She had a bunch of racks and stuff. She would even like alternate some of them out for like seasons and stuff because she had like more in storage that she would like switch up. Yeah. And she also she had yeah, a she changed them seasonally. She's like, here are the Halloween yeah. plates, and here are the oh my god, <laughs> here are Christmas plates. Yeah. She also oh, had a shit. reasonably big uh, painted teacup collection that I think those were allowed for use under very special circumstance. And yeah, she also a, had uh, if you like if a, you were entertaining heads of state. Yeah, exactly. That's it. You know, when you're when the diplomats start visiting, yeah. when the Czar of Denmark swings by, for sure. Yeah, and she had um, uh, a pretty uh, smaller than the other collections, but I say there was maybe like fifty or sixty like collectible spoons. That she had like special racks for it that were on the wall. It sounds like she loves dinnerware more than anything else. Yeah, real fancy dinnerware and cats. And, and cats. The crazy part about all this is I did I did some like sociological so sociological research into like what is up with this how how come and apparently it's a British thing, <clears throat> and the reason for it is is that like in uh, with the rise of the middle class in like London, like after the industrial revolution, nobody could own land. Cause like all the land in London was like owned by the ultra rich. But now right. that there was like a separation, like there was like a new class of like middle class of people who were like doing all right, not necessarily abjectly poor, but they were obviously like still a million miles away from being nobility or whatever. The idea of like collections and like knickknacks became the way to like demonstrate your wealth. Your affluence. Okay, I got you. Because that's it. Because you weren't the, you weren't getting a bigger home. You were never. So it's like a very state. it's like a very uh, Little Mermaid situation. Mm -hmm. You're like, what are <laughs> these things? Look at my forks, and then that way you kind of have, you know, all of your goods and your wares. Yeah. Well, that, I, I, which I thought was kind of interesting, and I was like, I guess that's where collecting kind of like comes from. It's like showing off your stuff, and not necessarily like like your wealth, but you're like showing off your identity in a weird way <laughs> like you're like but but there's always been especially in north well i know in like western europe and north america there's a lot of through lines but like yeah. that's the kind of way to show your affluence it's like look at these things i have look at how much space i have yeah exactly those are the, those are the ways right yeah. so like but like but also like my girlfriend by no stretch of the imagination is rich or anything like that but she mm -hmm. just has like tons of things that she likes like she loves fur mm. coats so she'll go to uh like the Salvation Army, and if there's a good fur coat on sale, she'll get it. Now she has like 90 fur coats. So from the outside, you look at this and you think she's like a fucking fox trader in Hudson Bay or some shit. Yeah. But it's just like she just like has all these things. She's like they just make her happy, right? Yeah. And like we're looking for a house and we're looking for a space, and like you and Sarah got that done like years before us. 
mm-hmm. and, and like you figured out something that like fits and it's like the right size and you have enough space. And we're looking at things. We're like, we have to downsize. I'm like trying to convince her to like sell coats and sell her stuff. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like ice skating uphill, brother. It's like so hard. Yeah, well, try, I, I, I was definitely, uh, definitely your girlfriend in that scenario. Cause like I, so the, you, yeah, you did my and apartment. Keith, like, and huh? Keith, in all scenarios, you're my girlfriend. You're Basically. Every scenario, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I'm everybody's girlfriend at this point. You know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, like, uh, cause I had been in my old apartment um, for probably more than like 10 years before we moved to this time. So, okay. and, and it was also like, I'd say like a, it was like the 10 years where you get stuff the most, I think, where it was like, cause it was from age like 21 to 31. That was like the 10 oh, years yeah. span where you're just accruing stuff. And a lot of it's crap. Cause you're like, Oh yeah. Cause you're it's just like moving. And then your, your dirt, your dirt bag friend is moving. He doesn't know where to put things. So you take some of his stuff and then, yeah. you, you know what I mean? You win things, you get gifts. It's like, it's unbelievable. Right? Yeah, exactly. And that, was one, that was one of the unexpected side effects of comedy that mm. I did not think of and no one told me about is that you're just going to accumulate stuff. And I didn't yeah. think about it in any way, but sometimes you'll do a show. Like I did a show in Kanawaki and they gave me, um, what are they called? The fucking, the slippers they have that are made of deer hide. Oh, moccasins. The moccasins. Thank you. I yeah, lost yeah. the word, but mm. they, they gave me beautiful handmade moccasins. And I'm like, I don't want to get rid of them because mm-hmm. they're beautiful handmade. And then I wear them a couple of times and then they get lost in the shuffle and I move them around. And then I just have stuff. I have uh, pictures and cards and, and it's just all kinds of things. But yeah, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. they just have all these things and I don't know what to do with them. I don't know. I need some sort of organization or just like some sort of thought where to put them, but it must there's be even, so much stuff. It must be even crazier if you're like, uh, like a sketch troupe. Cause I feel that like, yeah. You're probably you're getting some of the stuff from the venues of like thank you you did a good job and blah 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 yeah. blah but then you're also ending up probably with just like boxes the of prop. dumb, yeah. dumb props <laughs> that you needed one time ten years ago but like it For took sure. you four hours to make so you're not gonna throw it out exactly <laughs> you're like I need I needed this mechanical spider for a bit and that would just live you know. Yeah, exactly. I put a lot of time and effort into it. I can't just throw this away. Like, the, the, yeah. the second or third date I had with my girlfriend two years ago, she she likes going to the auctions, or she used to. She doesn't anymore. She mm-hmm. she would go to the auctions. Actually, and, just so we're clear, that yes. she, apparently she's not affluent. She just collects fur coats and goes to auctions. Well, just, she, okay, but okay. Here's mm-hmm. the thing: when people think auctions, people think of era. like a mansion. Well, that's the thing: when people think auctions, they think of like suits and tuxedos and bow ties with a little paddle and they're like mm, the estate of sir ellsworth yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, i shall maybe a billion should suffice but that's yeah. not like these auctions are like in a basement in a hashalaga with no windows <laughs> where the guy's like eight belts uh, four dollars for eight belts and someone's yeah, yeah, yeah. like three dollars he's like that's not how auctions work <laughs> like that that's the kind of shit where we're at we're like with the, the you know okay the best way to explain it is the auctioneer <laughs> instead of being like a high tempo excited guy is like sad to be there uh, it's like not I'm fast really, it's not yeah. fast at all he's like uh so the next lot is a painting we don't know who did it starting price is like 10 bucks like yeah. please take this like it's not a fun hoity-toity auction yeah no because i know that i um i've never been but like what you're describing sounds a lot like a police auction because apparently those are all kinds of crazy like no people people well some of them some of it's repossessed yeah yeah. But police auction usually happens at like a government site. Yeah. When the government auctions off things that they took, right? And the Canadian yeah. government doesn't just seize things and not give people the opportunity to buy them back, like the American government. Yeah. The the Canadian government, you have to kind of put them on sale, like cars, estates, houses, whatever. Yeah. But uh, in this thing, what they do is they like people co-sign things. So I want to sell a, a set of plates that are decorative. Yeah. I send them to the auction house and I make back. 78% of whatever they get for it, right? Yeah. So that kind of shit. So on our second day, no, we went there. A fancy pawn shop almost, sort of. Kind of, yeah, I guess. It's like, I guess it's you like could put it part, part pawn shop, you're like, I need the money now, but I'm going to let this auction get the money because they have a better ability to sell it than me on my own. Right. But I think it's only, I think you only get paid once someone buys it, though. Yeah. I don't think they pay up front. So I think that's the word difference from a pawn shop where you're like, hmm. I'll take a severe cut on selling you this because I need money immediately, which is pawn shop shit, right? Yeah, fair enough. Um, so she, my girlfriend bought two full-size mannequins. Right, as you do. Okay, 
as, as one does. So literally our second or third date, and I don't have the truck at this point. I'm driving a two-door Scion TC, which has, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like even the yeah, back yeah. seat is tiny, you know, like people complain and shit. So now I'm like, how do we take these? And the, the auctioneer's like, yeah, you got to take them right away. So yeah, I am now. They're, they're yours now. Yeah. So now I'm taking, I had to take one out of the box and then she had to move her seat all the way forward. So on our second date or the second time we're like spending time together, there is, I'm driving around Hashalaga Maisonneuve. And then mm-hmm. in the dim light of the streetlights, you just see random body parts just like loaded in the back of my car. And they were like too big. And now they set them up in the basement, my girlfriend and I, because she's like, I'm going to put, I'm going to put clothes on it. And I'm going to sell clothes. I'm like, Oh, that's good. It gets rid of the extra clothes you have. And you're going to make some money. You know, it's a great thing. But the thing is that never happened. That never got pursued. Now so your now basement I, is haunted by mannequins. That's the thing. I wake up in the middle of the night to take a piss and there's just like inanimate bodies looking at me from the corner of the room. Right. Which is fucking terrifying. Cause I'm already not a great sleeper. And now I wake up and every night I know they're there. I know they're there. And part of my brain should be like, you know, they're there. They can't scare you. But every time I wake up and go eh, immediately, immediately, yeah, every night course. for years, this is just, and I'm not doing anything. I'm not putting anything over them. I'm not moving them to another room. I just look at it every night and it scares the shit out of me. And I don't know yeah, what that it, says about me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're, you're like, I like the company, <laughs> even <laughs> if they're it. ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> just, I like just knowing for- you're there. Just four mannequins who can watch me sleep and fuck. That's exactly yeah. what I need. Yeah. There you go. Maybe I mean it could also be doubling as a as a little bit of a home defense system or whatever. Like I mean, if I, I were mean, a burglar, I, yeah, I would put one next to the window just so people are like casing the joint. They're like, no, there's people standing out the window all the time. Yeah. Well, that, it's, like I think gar- it's like a modern gargoyle or whatever. <laughs> what I was like, there's the, there's also the you could. Um, I feel that there's like a, a strategy that if you make your the inside of your house like have a few things that make you look like an insane person, possibly yeah. like mannequins and whatever in like strange situations where maybe you don't get robbed because they're like, oh, this person will come after me. He's crazy. Like, yeah. How many how many cartoons have you seen where Batman chases down the Joker and throws a battering and it just hits a mannequin because mm-hmm. there's mannequins strewn around? You know what I mean? It's yeah, inherently it's, creepy. Exactly. You're like, oh shit, the the Joker lives in this house. Like, yeah. Exactly. Up to nothing. If you can recreate, uh, what's the um, what's that movie? The the haunting, right? That's the one about those. They, um, you know, like the couple that did uh, like exorcisms and stuff like that. Like, oh yeah, 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 but yeah. But you know, they have that room in the house that keeps coming back. If you could recreate that yes. room, like the room full of haunted stuff, I'm like, no one would rob you. You'd be like, yeah, oh. no one would ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> someone <laughs> did. Someone did steal uh, aluminum cans, empty soda cans, off of our back porch. Oh, but I mean, yeah, but those exactly. are five cents. That's money. I know, but then I, I shudder to think what kind of person is breaking into back porches <laughs> just to get for the like ten cents, two fifty worth of cans. Like you know what I mean? Like that's crazy. I mean, I think we we you mentioned this already. That's how you're an Ashlag amazing of. So uh, you know, you know, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> uh, so before we hit record. What? Uh, before we hit record, we were having a brief conversation, uh, or not a brief conversation, but a, a tossed out idea of conversation about Dungeons oh, and Dragons. Oh, you, you worded that like we were haven't been recording for 22 minutes, and I was like, what? Yeah, no, no, no. Well, yes, this, this is the whole thing. Uh, okay. And also, again, viewers can't, uh, because I said Dungeons and Dragons, I was like, I'm going to put on my Dungeons and Dragons shirt, because I got oh, a nice. Dungeons and Dragons shirt once. As I didn't a know you played. Item. I, uh, so I have a... A strange relationship with Dungeons and Dragons. I do. I, I play it all the time now. But okay. um, I got into role playing very young. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother, when he was in high school, which is the age where you normally get into role playing, uh, wanted to, I guess, like practice his DM skills, and so like allowed me to be kind of a, a junior member of his game. Uh, like he was running a Robotech game based on the anime. Okay, and I was allowed to play with his friends as long as it was kind of uh, understood that I was like you're a high than. you're a you're a high level NPC. Well, <laughs> yeah, like ish, like it was. I was allowed to do <laughs> things, but I wasn't like like it was just, and it was like he he kind of presented it in the story too. Like it was like I don't know if you're familiar with Robotech the anime I'm or not. not. No, so it's I mean it's a classic. Um, 
like you're, it's just space pilots and transforming robots fighting aliens, basically. Sounds awesome. So yeah, it, it's a fine setting, a lot of combat. You're fighting off uh, the Zentradi invasion and whatever else. And he just kind of, he made it where I'm just the junior pilot. So it kind of made sense that the rest, if I had an idea and people wanted to go with it, they would go with it. And if I didn't and they were like, that's a dumb idea. Well, I'm the junior pilot. So right. yeah. there's nothing I can do or say. <laughs> you know, like he sort of like baked it into the story that you're just like, yeah, you're you're the, the the little kid pilot kind of thing, which also makes sense in an anime too. You're like, there's just yeah, they know, always like, have that youngish kind of like student that needs a senpai character, right? Yeah, exactly. That's it. So yeah. I basically, yeah, I was like the 14 year old like hotshot pilot, but obviously still like inexperienced and whatever. So that still was green, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was like my first role playing experience which i guess it was put me probably on like maybe like nine or ten years old and then uh throughout high school i didn't play that much and then i kind of got back into some role playing uh in college with the um the world of darkness stuff so like playing vampire and werewolf and all that gothy early 2000s stuff and so yeah i was like so been in and around role playing for a real long time and avoided, I always made a joke about the fact that despite being a very big geek, I like, and like being into CCGs, role-playing games, video games, I never, until I was like in my 20s, I never played a single hand of Magic the Gathering. I never played a single game of Dungeons and Dragons and I've never played World of Warcraft. So like, because somehow those were, I, th- I think when we were growing up, Dungeons well, and Dragons was like, the nerdiest thing yeah it was like i'm a i'm a geek but i don't play dungeons and dragons yeah exactly you're like that's too much (laughs) and now and now that it's become more mainstream it's like i play dungeons and dragons but i don't larp (laughs) it's like it's like i don't dress up and actually (laughs) fight people like yeah well and and the thing and i and i think the big thing about it is like i and again i went like i went full not full full nerd for sure but it was like it was very strange because in college, like literally was like a, a member of like the Dawson sci-fi and fantasy club. And oh, cool. it was like, but and it was weird because it's like some of the friends I made there are like my my nearest and dearest friends that For like, sure. persisted from that. But it was strange because even then there was like two classes of nerd. Like we there was like us who were like, oh yeah, we're the guys who can sit there and talk about comic books and video games and whatever else to the end of days but also you know like talk to girls <laughs> like, right. yeah and uh like go to parties and and stuff like that and then there there was that other tier of like oh like i play dungeons and dragons and it's the only thing i do yeah and i can't I'm, leave the house i can't talk to anyone else yeah and i'm very serious about it and like and whatever else and i think that that's always it's really strange because even like years later, like there's like literally years later, there's people who were like, Oh, like you guys were always kind of like some of the best like role players and whatever else. And I was like, yeah. Cause we were more into the like fun of it and less into right. the like trying to beat the game. <laughs> yeah. Cause that, cause like for me, uh, my dungeons and dragons, uh, journey, I guess for lack of a better <laughs> word is, is very recent, very new. Mm. And it actually came out of a chirp from my girlfriend because oh. she mentioned that, like, you know, you know all these comics, but you only talk about comedy. You only spend time with them at comedy. You yeah. don't really They're socialize. Well, well, that's the thing. We're like, and, and for me, I've always had a weird relationships where I, like, have a core of friends that I rely on and I would take a bullet for and would help me move a body. But then mm. beyond that, I don't really make new friends. And I guess as you get older, it's harder to make new friends. Yeah. So. I was just like, you know what I mean? It's just like, especially when you're a man, like women make friends way easier than men do. But like, yeah, but they talk more shit about them. Like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's more, yeah. Like I, I can spend a five hours with somebody and then my girlfriend would be like, what'd you guys talk about? I'm like, oh, like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. How's, 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 how, how's Keith's wife? Uh, fine. I guess I don't, you know what I mean? Like I don't, yeah, I, don't yeah. I don't like, I don't like, we don't sit there and just like trade information, like a pair of spies. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but like, yeah, yeah. It's a, that, so, just like, and, and this is, and this is complete and total sexist nonsense. So I apologize in, no, in it's advance. Fine. No, but <laughs> just like there's, cause I see it all the time with my, with my wife and her, like her core friends are her, her cousins. Like cause yeah, they, okay. they all, they all grew up around each other and, and stuff like that. Like she has obviously other good friends, but it's like, 
the probably outside of maybe one or two, like out of her five best friends, three of them are directly related to her. Like it's just okay. growing up, I think, uh, in an Italian part of town with your Italian cousins and they just like, yeah. they're almost sistery. And it's like, but yeah. like she, she knows about like what food they're making and how it tasted and yeah. did the bread rise properly and like yeah. what, what will the, the husband or whatever was. And I was like, how, what, what is that? She's like, yeah, we just like, we just tell each other like everything. And I was like, Whereas I find often with my friends or just, or just in general conversations, it's like there's conversations about something. They're like, what'd you talk about? Star Wars for two hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, when you're like, but when his parents LA? came over for, yeah, when his parents came uh, over for dinner, how'd it go? I talked about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. He knows. Yeah. But I think with guys or I don't know, this is, I mean, again, you're yeah, talking about no like, idea. oh, sex this place <laughs> yeah, with exactly. generalization, like for sure. But like with my guy friends, it's always been like, if you really need something, they'll tell you and we'll address it. But if mm-hmm. we don't, it's fine. Like there, there are couples where my girlfriend is friends with one of the partners and I'm friends with another one of the partners. And just like, mm-hmm. t- do you know these two people are in a fight because of this? And then this person showed up to that wedding and no, 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 no. And I'll text yeah. him and be like, yo, how's it going? He's like, yeah, everything's good. I'm like, okay. So, yeah. you know, yeah. to him, it doesn't need, it doesn't bear description <laughs> or further conversation. Right. Yeah. So I guess that was like kind of, my mentality of just like checking in on people and like, unless they tell me something is like an immediate need of my attention, I don't really delve into it. It feels invasive mm-hmm. to be like, but what about this? Like, you know, like I'm not trying yeah, to get yeah. in that place. So yeah. it came from a place where like, I wanted to try and like foster like a new skill set and like a new group of friends or whatever people who I just like communicated with in a different way. Yeah. So one of the comics was talking about playing Dungeons and Dragons and I had never done it because as much as my love of superheroes and video games and all things nerdy, it was always stigmatized as being like the break glass in case of emergency nerd thing. Yeah. It was like <laughs> yeah, the nerdiest, you know, like the nerdiest thing you can do. And then uh, one of the comics, AJ Young, Montreal comic, mm-hmm. really sweet guy. And he kind of sat me down in his apartment and went over how the game worked and what you could do and what you couldn't do and the level system and mm-hmm. things like that. And it was interesting and I liked it from a gaming standpoint mm-hmm. because it is an RPG. It is like, you know, and it also has a sense of creativity and a sense of, it's like reading a book where everything is described to you and you have to imagine it and you have to create the visuals, yeah, which I found fascinating. And, and then I started playing. Uh, my first group did not have a lot of success because obviously scheduling conflict and different personalities and different clashes of people within the comedy community. So we had people who were doing better in comedy and people who were open micing. And then the conflicts would kind of, I guess, pour over into ways where people felt they couldn't speak up because even if they were right about Dungeons and Dragons, they're like, well, this guy's more experienced comic, so I can't really go against him, which is weird in itself. And just some people aren't confrontational. Some people are. So Mm -hmm. that was, that was it was fun as an introduction, but yeah. it didn't have any kind of long term payoff that I kind of wanted out of a story. Yeah, uh, and then I started listening to a podcast called Not Another D and D Podcast, mm-hmm. and it's I encourage uh, anyone who listens to this if you're into Dungeons and Dragons go listen to that podcast, and it's by it's basically a dungeon master and three players, and sometimes mm-hmm. they have guest stars or whatever, and. One of the characters is very new, has never played Dungeons and Dragons, and two of them are very experienced. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have a, a, a very good system where they walk you through how things are done. Mm-hmm. And they walk you through how characters are built and things like that. And then, you know, listening to podcasts and reading about it and then brushing up on the rules. Uh, it's been a lot of fun in terms of like now the new group I'm with, uh, just in terms of like having a long term story and having kind of things spread out and having, you know, how to figure out how to build the character and how to do things. Mm-hmm. So I'm enjoying it a lot more than I thought I ever would. And it's kind of been a really fun experience. And I've probably spent more time in quarantine playing Dungeons and Dragons than ever in my life. Yeah, we uh, we upped our game from once every two weeks to once a week because we're like, what else are we doing? Like, right. We're just like, and we play it like we do, like we're, to, but to that to speak to that just for like a bit we what we found more successful is more frequent but shorter sessions like when we get to when we used okay. get together every two weeks we would get together and usually play from like 
seven, seven thirty to like ten thirty, eleven. So like a good like three, three and a half hour kind of block. And now right. when we're on the weekly, we only play for maybe like two, two and a half hours tops, which I right. feel kind of like keeps it sharper and kind of like because there's a weird Focus. thing. Uh, yeah, there, there's a weird thing that happens. I find when you're playing. Um, remotely like we're all playing on like zoom or teams or whatever the heck we're playing where because you're in front of your computer your focus drifts a lot more than when you're at a table right like you're, I, I would agree yeah and like, also i think there's less discussion right yeah well and that, that's the thing too it's like at, at a table i could lean over to someone and we could have a little one-on-one conversation and yeah. it wouldn't disrupt the entire game yeah. <laughs> you know whereas like if you're on this you're like okay well keith and lawrence are talking or whatever yeah you know? and, like, and that's it when you when you have Zoom with five, six people logged in, if you want a meta game mm-hmm. or like come up with a game plan, everything has to stop while you do that, to your point. Like right. I'm like, guys, we're being chased by three things. What do we do? Like, are we taking them down? Are we blocking them? Are we like and you have to kind of all kind of go into a game plan? Yeah. So I it yeah, we, is we've, we've had we've had some uh reasonable amounts of success uh using kind of like un- chats on the side, like type chats on the side yes. yeah. <laughs> where, where you're just sort of like, you're like, uh, is this what we want to do? And you're like, no, 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 that's stupid or whatever. Just while the DM is narrating or something. So you're not just yeah. like overriding and stuff. Uh, so yeah. So one of the things I was, that I was just saying that was like a little different from our group is that we've all been friends for like 20 years ish in some cases and like bare minimum, like 10 plus years. So there's a lot of stuff where I like I can get away with, like you were talking about sort of some of the comics who would maybe not say or like speak up or say something. So it's like, I often will play, like, I just, I kind of like, not necessarily an antagonistic character, but like a little bit, like I I enjoy playing, playing a bit of a shit disturber uh, in, in various ways. Like I'll say, so my last three characters that I played uh, in Dungeons and Dragons, one was a a character who was a, a Deva, which is part of their deal is they're like a shard of one of the deities so oh, I was cool. uh, like, it's like there, you don't necessarily like channel divinity through like prayer or whatever, like a cleric. It's like you have, you're like, like we made the joke. It's like, you're like a God's toenail kind of thing. So it's like, you right. have the, like you kind of embody their purpose. And he was a shard of Tempest, which was a, uh, which is like the God of war essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And I decided that the embodiment of that was kind of funny uh, that, or funny slash shitty, which just was fun for me to play, that any time, like, that included kind of, like, conversations, right? right? So, like, if one character said one thing and another character was kind of at odds to it, I would just immediately try to, like, dig into both to put them at odds with each other, right? Like, to, so to try to, like, pit them against each other as the personification of, like, the god of war. And it was, like, most of the time it was fine, but there was, like, every now and then people were, like, that was really shitty what you did in the game, Keith. And I was like, dude, I was like, <laughs> they're like, you just made us argue with each other. I was like, I'm pretty sure you argued, like you decided to argue about this, you know? But like, right. it's one of those things where I would, I would not necessarily do that if I was sitting down at a game with like you and Vendito, if Vendito was playing, you know, where it was like, because it's kind of a shitty thing to do. <laughs> right. I you think, know, but, but I, I think I think I think when you have, but you're you're just you're describing a group of people who have been playing for a long time. Mm-hmm. So well, and, they... and, but but also but also a familiarity with like friends, you know, right. like you, and it's not necessarily like a, I think a D and D experience level thing. It's a thing where you're people who kind of like know each other and can, for the most part, differentiate the fact that you're like, oh yeah, like Keith is doing this as a character like, role-playing yeah. yeah as a role-playing thing it, it is something that i would maybe do as a keith also but i would like i'd lean like i, I mean you, i mean you have started a couple arguments as keith like let's 100 yeah, percent. <laughs> like, like I'll, I'll tell you i'll tell you my i mean like i said you're you're coming into i guess role-playing new you're saying like so you've had i guess what like two characters now like if you're in like yeah, this is your second well, game th- three because we did this one shot well we're right okay. working on a one shot now where we mm-hmm. have like we start off with like a level 20 and just like kind of flex to see what a character can do yeah so i built like a very overpowered warlock yeah who can take spells from other groups of casters and shit Mm -hmm. yeah so i I just like and it's incredibly overpowered and thankfully the dm is very lenient with the interpretations of what my character level level 20 characters are are like they're your literal superman like there's yeah it's it's like it's you know 
Yeah, and it's so funny because when you start out, like I, I built myself a character that was very easy for the main campaign. I built myself like a fighter who mm-hmm. ended up being like a gunslinger. So it's all range combat and it's very easy and there's not a lot of stuff you have to keep a track of and it's just like yeah. build that's the right way. But you have no spells or you have no you know what I mean? Nothing magical. Yeah, you so you like <laughs> you hit and different and things you add get out of the dice. way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just easy to and then once once a day you get to do a, two turns for one. That's like the extent of everything I have to know. Yeah. So then when I built this warlock, there's like seven pages and two apps open. And there's like 18 ha- things happening at the same time. And I'm in a situation and I have to figure out which one of my 84 spells to use. Yeah. And it is daunting for new players to be like, what am I doing here? And then you're like, oh, you can cast these 10 things that'll be good in this situation or whatever, yeah. right? Well, I think that's so why I- a lot of a lot of campaigns do the, like, starting at level one. Like, and people are like, oh, but you can't do anything. But I'm like, yeah, but you play like a session or two at level one and any class at level one is basically you have like one or two things and it just like, it slowly adds the thing. Yeah. But it's easier. So to keep, Yeah. But if you advance in the game, it's easier to keep track of something if you've built yeah. up to it. Right. Like if yeah, exactly. you start so, off with 84 things, it's like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. For sure. But yeah, no. So when I, yeah, but when I, whenever I develop, develop a character like as, as having played in a bunch of games D or otherwise i usually just take like kind of one part of my like when i'm not just determining like stats and stuff when i'm determining I'm like what's this guy like in a conversation or whatever like i take like one sort of part about my personality and just lean hard on it is interesting like is typically the like one um there's a game called changeling uh uh-huh. where you're it's basically like the fairy like imagine like the theme like the, the very classic fairy realm of right. like of like classic kind of mythology it sort of works with a um kind of an american gods kind of situation where it's like the less people believe in them the less powerful their magic is cool and then and at a certain point people stopped believing in fairies to such an extent that they've had this thing called like the shattering or whatever and it's like fairies like drop to an even like smaller level and they became kind of like remnants of their powers got fused with like human souls that's kind of the setting so it's like fairies were real in like medieval times or whatever and have just steadily decreased in power until modern times where they're just like little like flickers of bits of magic inside of a person is kind of the setup so i played a character um that was a puka which if you know from the film Harvey is like a, an animal spirit named mittens who was just like, basically like a cat, like a, like a kitten spirit. And I was just like, I just like leaned into like my attention deficit disorder as hard as I could. Like, cause I was like, it's like, I'm part cat, part kitten, like literally every stupid idea that popped into my head, I'd be like, this character is going with like, it's just like, and just constantly. So it's just like completely, like it was fun for me to like normally something that I, I as a regular human Keith, I'm like no, those are dumb ideas and stuff. In the context of the game, I was like every dumb idea that pops into my head, my character's just all in on. Like no matter how stupid then, it is, if people like, are talking, yeah, I love that idea. But how do you build a character then? How do you build a, a something that's easy to role play and easy to continue to go into and is not so far away from you that you're able able to keep a handle of it at all times. And what, how do you, what's that process look like where you explore different parts of your personality and go, this is fun to accentuate. This is fun to accentuate. How does that take form? Yeah. Well, that's it. Like I said, like you, you pick a thing and then you just sort of like, he still was like a competent like fighter and whatever else. And like, and he could be reined in by the, the, by the party essentially, you know, Mm -hmm. like people could be like, no, 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 we're doing this and stuff. And it was like, you just, I guess you kind of have to like, you have to balance your character's motivations with also knowing that at the end of the day, you're trying to tell a group story. So as we I'm were so saying, sorry. I, just like, I just like burp and sneeze all, all across your podcast recording, Keith. I'm so sorry. It's fine. It's all good. Co-host. I don't have the so, radio mentality. Yeah, it's all good. It's it's quarantine. There's no podcasting rules. I was gonna say I meant to put this. Um, so March when this all started, our downloads were lower, but then in April they've been like 
slightly above average slash higher than usual. So I guess hey. in the middle of the show. Thank thank you to who all the people I guess who came back or or are getting back into listening to local no, podcasts. These are, no, this is word of mouth business. This is people plugging go quarantine yourself and the that's upswell it. support that's gonna bring us into the upper echelon of Montreal English podcasting during the quarantine that's specifically. It. I mean, we're kind of already in the upper echelon of Montreal Are we? podcasting. Really? Yeah. yeah I dude. have not seen a dime from this show. That is heartbreaking. Okay. Yeah, well, it doesn't make money. Podcasting doesn't make money. That's a crazy oh. thing. <laughs> Why don't we sell? Okay, we have to sell ads now. This is what we yeah. have to do. We, yeah, this is, this is not being a podcast. This is now a business plan for the future. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Every time we, like, there's been once or twice over the years where Walter and I have, like, looked into advertising and it always just came off as like, oh, now it's the advertising has to be a thing. And it was never like the amount of like hoops you would have to jump through for an advertiser never became like an, an amount of money that seemed worth it. I like mean, in, a, in a weird way, like, you know, like I was just like, uh, like if I fa- absolutely listen, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I'd like to spend some money to reach the go plug yourself listeners like, well, I'll hear you out. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing I, the concept of advertisers it. at all. I want to hear this, you, this alternate universe where you're turning down money because it's too complicated. <laughs> That's what I, you have too much yeah, money right, right now because I could use some money. <laughs> and what if they're going to make us what talk about ball shavers and you know what I mean? Like who gives a shit? Like let's that I would do. Yeah, let's that like, I hey, would do. But those are never the, the lawnmower three keeps my balls so smooth. Like we can do that. Absolutely. But we don't get those kind of offers. Like we we get oh. the like, oh, like you have to do this and then plug this and then talk about this and then also have this. Like when we want you to have a guest on, you have to have that guest on and like and then and then and then and you're like, uh. like no, that's just not even the podcast anymore. That's just, yeah, it become it becomes very quickly that I'm I'm producing a thing for a store or whatever, yeah. and it's like that's that was kind of always the vibe that stuff went, and I was like, yeah, no, reading an ad spot I would do in a heartbeat if that ever. Yeah. If that came up and you wanted me to talk about your comic book store or your restaurant, do, call me. I'll do that yeah. without yeah. a doubt. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to insinuate for a second that I'm somehow above advertising in any way, shape, or form. It's just that no, the conversations that have happened. To be clear, to be clear, we're money horse. Just like absolutely hit us everybody up. Else. Just like them everyone DMs. else. Slide in them DMs. <laughs> exactly. We need to eat. Exactly. We're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. We will talk about your gaming shop. We'll sell dice. Oh, yeah. We'll sell uh, I miniatures saw thing. that you can paint. Yeah, get into miniatures. the minis. Why I not? saw a really weird ball bearing dice spinner thing on Facebook. I'll advertise that. Yeah, why not? It, I'll do anything. But yeah, exactly. Reading ad spots is not what I was talking about when I was saying turning down advertisers. It was weird, like synergistic garbage crap where now yeah. suddenly like the show is actually a show about your store. Like, yeah. or whatever. And that was, I was like, no, listen to that. Uh, so, yeah, back to Dungeons and Dragons, talking about like character development as characters more. I think, and one of the things that always appealed to me about role playing in general was when you're playing a video game, you're playing the character that the game told you to be. Right. right? Like, you're, if you're playing The Witcher, you're playing God of War, you're playing whatever. I am, I am playing The Witcher right now. I know you're better than I, I am. Wow. Oh. <laughs> So I just good. play Rocket League. It's I, I feel that I have okay. a, a... And I was like, oh, I'm going to buy the PlayStation 5 when it comes out. And I was like, Whom, what am I talking about? I just play Rocket League. The only thing that'll get me to buy a PlayStation 5 is Rocket League 2. And that's what I'll just... Like, I paid... I don't know how much money for a PlayStation 4 to basically play Rocket League and, like, maybe four other games. That's No, you have, I, to, you have to get into it. You have to get into some stuff. I I, I mean, like, I, I'm. that's a slight exaggeration. Like, I just, I just did... God of War and beat all the Valkyries and all that stuff. I did nice. Hollow Knight, Hollow Knight, and beat the optional bosses. Like I'm not exclusively, but I would say about eighty to ninety percent of my gaming time is purely Rocket League. And I'm right. not even that great. Like I'm just a, a high plat, low diamonds kind of. I'm like, what? What am I doing? It's not like I'm never gonna be the best. Go pro. Yeah, exactly. That's a crazy thing. Uh, but yeah, but I did. I did like playing... building a character from scratch though. For Dungeons yeah, exactly. That was interesting. And but do you, so as something I, I wanted to ask you as kind of like a new player, like, do you, how much thought do you put into the character and how much thought do you put into like the stats and how like the powers coalesce and stuff? I mean, for, I created a fighter who's a gunslinger. Mm-hmm. So to me that already just screamed cowboy. 
Like, that right. was a really simple build. And I think when you're role-playing, you can't make a character too complex. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a backstory, and then I just added three personality traits that I can right. always anchor myself to. And then anything else in between. I made them really easy in terms of having, you know, a more specific way of reacting to things. So I made a, yeah. gave them a background and a story that could be weaved into the story if the DM chose, or at least play into the way he was acting. And in terms of personality traits, I gave him being superstitious mm-hmm. and being uh, distrusting of others and being kind of the people he associates with, he holds on to dearly. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's just an easy way. And then you give him a little hinge and you have him sound like a cowboy when he comes into town and when he interacts yeah. with people instead of saying oh that sounds great like oh, i guess i could take a look at that for a little bit of coin like you know you yeah, have yeah. to and then for the one shot where i have like a warlock and then the warlock essentially the 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 um build of the character is that you're beholden to some sort of powerful deity or benefactor yeah, yeah, exactly. like, warlocks get their powers through a like a deal with some force or another. That's exactly like how in the in the game. Yeah. So I, I chose an archetype because you're talking about powers and stuff. So I picked fiend because it was the most powerful and easiest to navigate and easiest to kind of work on. So yeah. when I did that, I, I wanted to make like how would it be interesting? Like already like having people sell their souls to the devil is one of the oldest narratives in any kind of literature or book yeah. or video game. Yeah, it's like a, so, a trope on its own. Like, oh, yeah. you sold your soul to the devil is just like exactly. A, so a I thing. Want, so, so I wanted to make it more interesting. So for that character, I did the devil is his father, and like an okay. overbearing father situation where he doesn't want to be part of the family business, but he has to because his dad still has his soul mm-hmm. until he reaches a certain age. Right. So it's kind of like the mob boss's son who wants to just be an artist or something, and he's like, "No, mm-hmm. you have to go do mob business thing." So he has like huge intimidation and charisma mm-hmm. so he's like a very uh silly character where he's like a very flamboyant warlock where he has all these fire spells but they all every time he casts something it comes out as a pastel palette nice. or something right so he's like he's like rupert murder like no what's his name uh, rupert meltwater and he's like this he ever tries nice. to tries to do something scary his voice cracks or something but the intimidation's still high because they know that he's representing this very terrifying entity and organization it's like you ever seen the movie john wick yeah, yeah. where you have like theon Greyjoy's son who's a complete new like a just a fucking idiot but like yeah his family and everyone around him is terrifying it's like kind of like a situation like that yeah. so when i build a character i just put one to three um traits that you could always go back to and kind of anchor yourself toward i have yeah, written sure. out so when you you know even if it's not natural to do a role play you can kind of see how someone would react and even if it's mm-hmm contrary to how you would react like i want to be in my own life i want to be a good person who helps people if you're playing a bad guy you're playing things like that yeah to put yourself in that space you just kind of have to think well these three traits are i'm doing this for this reason this is how i act this is how i react i lost someone i loved so i'm going to be less trusting or less caring or yes i'm going to be more callous and that's just i kind of build it up from there and for like the powers and stuff because i'm new to D &D, i'll read a lot or watch youtube videos about the best builds or the best spells or things like that. And then kind of add flavor to them. Like my character is very flamboyant and uses pastels. And then if I got a ninth level spell, there's something called prismatic walls where you're basically firing a wall of rainbows. Yeah. So that's the point where it's a super powerful spell that I could use once a day. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of makes sense in the character that he would use a beautiful pastel wall of basically an LGBT flag to kind of block people from coming to him you know yeah for sure yeah yeah that's it like i always find there's always like a that balance of you're like you want to have like the the a good power set but you also don't want it to like not make sense with why your guy would have learned something like it's it's very there's we're getting into deep nerd shit here everybody <laughs> but we're, but where you're just like when you're like oh like we're like uh i'm playing right now a uh, a warforged fighter warlock uh warforged oh. are basically they're like 
they're like kind of like a living suit of armor, but with like an actual soul in it. Like they're not animated uh, by like a mage or whatever. They. So wait, they, you multi-classed? You did, just took two classes. Yes. Multi-classing. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't started that yet. That's too complicated yeah. for me. I'm just like, well, maybe one day, but that's it. Yeah, exactly. You, you, but at the same time, and his uh, his whole thing was he was like he was basically constructed thousands of years ago. It, it's I took the sort of. Um, uh the background from TikTok from Return to Oz That's <laughs> is cool. basically but, that, but then guy. you still have but then you can easily and even if you come up with a character and it's still tropey, it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. And oh, I think no, there's for something sure. interesting about having a robot or any kind of de facto outsider who's trying to learn about emotions and the things that make humans humans, right? Yes. So, yeah, exactly. You know, That's it. And it, it was just, but the, and like, um, like one of the things I was, uh, that I like to do is like, sort of like to like lean into sort of like a personality trait of my own. And um, what, and this guy is basically about how sometimes I have like uh, a hard time, I guess, like I can come off as like callous and stuff. So I like leaned into mm-hmm. being very like, kind of like callous and unfeeling. So it's like, it's okay. he plays like the robot, but like we were saying, like intimidation, like his intimidation doesn't come from uh, like a place of like intentionally being intimidating. Like he'll be like, so you're going to like tell me what I need to know or I will cut your arm off. And it's not like right. a threat. He's just like, I'll just Factual. do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not like, like it's like one of like the vision from the Avengers or the red tornado from DC lore at someone who's yeah. like, this is just well, what I have to accomplish my goals. And then they learn how to be a person after. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And he's um, not, and, and it's just like, it's also like very weird. Cause he's like, he has like a, a pretty high, like deception score. And you're just sort of like, but you're like, how does the robot lie? And he's like, Oh, he just figured out that it's easy. Yeah. Like he's like, like the easiest way to get out of this conversation is to lie. Like, yeah. Cause he has like a living like he's running. Because he's not trying to be deceptive in the sense of emotionally. He's just trying to find the path of least resistance, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, he's just sort of like, like, what are you doing here? And whatever else like that. I'll just lie about this because I don't want to explain myself. Yeah. You know, like, like the, it, it, the, it, the, <laughs> the, the very first session I had with my new main character, this guns, this gunslinger, who mm-hmm. I named Hes, Tooth, And he's nice. basically not a religious guy. And he... Um, he gets a vision from a god that he does not believe in, saying that the the soul of his late wife is in play in the afterlife, and if he doesn't help the gods, her her soul is forfeit. Mm-hmm. And basically, the first the first uh, session was me just accruing weapons and trying to gear up for whatever mission we had to do, and yeah. it was just me like robbing someone getting into a fight bumping into an npc like and it was just that kind of thing where it was heavy on the role play to kind of establish like my character is going to act this way yeah. he doesn't have any qualms about stealing or you know what i mean the greater good mm-hmm. kind of thing and you just kind of take it from you know the traits that you build out for the character yeah. and the shortcomings and it kind of becomes fun that way yeah it's pretty interesting the the most recent game that we're playing uh the dm also had us create a uh, like a dark secret that binds our characters together, like as a group, like where it's just like, so they're like, your character, like the campaign is taking place about three years after this event. And like, it's not necessarily saying, oh, and you guys have been friends for three years, but you're like three years ago, something went horribly wrong that like tied you guys together. You were involved in like a shady conspiracy or a crime or whatever else. And then the rest of your lives happened. And now session one, is you kind of getting back together. So it's not necessarily like some of the characters have decided that, oh, they became friends as a result of this and or they they ha- now have a bit of a joint history. Like they had their history up to the dark secret moment and then they have another three years to kind of like fill in the blanks. Yeah, it's I know what you did last summer. Kind of, yeah, exactly. That's it. And then so it's like it was just, I thought it was like a very good way to kind of like bind the party a little bit. Yeah. And it was like, and the our dark secret was basically we got hired to do uh, like a bit of like kind of like corporate espionage ish and like burn down someone's house in Baldur's Gate for one of the royal families or whatever, make it look like an accident. But then it turned out that there were people inside and the um, the killing machine, like my <laughs> character, just yep. straight up murdered the people inside. Like no hesitation. He was like, this is just the easiest way to go. Like yeah. we're here, we're doing a crime these people are the only people that can testify against us. We'll just murder. And everyone's like, Whoa, how did that happen? And you're like, well, you went and did a burn down a house with like a murder machine. Like, so yeah. 
<laughs> that's what happened. So it's like he did not bond with the rest <laughs> of the crew in the same way. They spent the next three years being like, that would that guy is out of his mind, and yeah. that's not okay. So now it's like three years later, everyone's like, oh, the robot's back. <laughs> like the yeah. robot that just killed people in cold blood for no reason. So it's like it's very fun because there's already like a a lot of group dynamic and group interaction is already like informed at the first session, you know, which yeah. I find is also something that's a, a bit of a hurdle sometimes is you're like, okay, you're just, everybody comes in and they all have their own ideas. And like, everybody is often sitting at the table is like this. They're the star of the show in their mind. Right. Like it's just like in real life, but you're like in D and D there isn't necessarily a main character, which I thought is very interesting. Uh, yeah. Lauren said, I didn't need to bounce. Uh, yep. You're he heading off at three o'clock. It was fun talking D and D with you, buddy. Pleasure. Um, and uh, we'll do it again sometime. This has been go quarantine yourself. Thanks again for listening. Go plug yourself. As always, a big thank you to Leland Beckman and Oral Turpitude for providing all of the original music for the show. We mentioned at the beginning of the show that we'd love for you to tell your friends about the show, and honestly, that's all you really need to do. But if you're feeling particularly generous, you can support the show financially and 9to5.cc in general by going to patreon.com slash 9to5cc. You can get early access to every episode of Go Plug Yourself and other perks too. Finally, if you or someone you know has a project they'd like to plug on the show, reach out to us and let us know. You can find us on Facebook by searching 9to5cc, and we're 9to5cc on Twitter also. If everything works out, you could be the next person to sit down with Walter and I and talk about horror movies or wrestling. And I mean, also the sh thing that you're trying to plug. 9to5.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.